So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 116. I'm reading from a version called the New International Version. It's the version I use. If you're interested, it's called a dynamic equivalent. So in other words, they've tried to remain as close to the text as possible, uh, but to make it as understandable in my language as we can. So that's what the dynamic equivalent is. As opposed to a translation like the King James or the New King James, which is like a, a wooden translation, basically word for word. New American Standard Version, also a word for word uh, translation. New American Standard and uh, King James based upon two different uh, sets, bodies of texts in the original languages. I favor the text that the NIV is based upon and the New American Standard Version is based upon as opposed to the King James Version. Now all of that's a lot of waffle just in case anybody was interested. <laughs> so we're reading Psalm 116 from the New International Version. I love the Lord for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I call on him as long as I live. <clears throat> Maybe even a follow-on from last week's chat. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, save me. Maybe some of you are still there in that state. Then he says, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O oh Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed. Therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted, and in my dismay I said, All men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O oh Lord, truly I am your servant, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Father, as we look at your word this morning, I'm asking again that you would just give us wisdom. Thank you for the power in the reading of your words. Thank you that your word is powerful to destroy and break every bondage over our lives. And thank you even just reading these precious words this morning. It, in, it gives us courage and hope. It in, inspires us. And even if we don't hear and we're not listening... Thank you that these seeds settle deep down within our hearts. We bless you for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 12 asks an interesting question. Uh, Psalm 16 verse 12. But before I look at that, that verse this morning, 
I want to tell you that this morning we're going to look at a topic that I don't speak about more than once every five years. And those of you who have been here for more than five years will know what I'm talking about. So this morning I want to chat a little bit about a thing called biblical giving. Don't start screaming in your seats and don't start, well I know you have no right to say anything like there he goes again because I haven't gone for five years at least and this thing's not working. No, it's not, until you call. <laughs> What's that There we go. Sorry, it just wasn't going on. Gone off. I need some more batteries, Auntie Margaret. Where is she? Can you find me some batteries? I think it looks like the batteries have gone dead. Okay, I need somebody up there now to move that thing forward, otherwise I'm not going to be able to go with you. <coughs> The psalm, we don't know who wrote it, but it brings us to one little verse that I'm going to focus on this morning, and that's verse 12, and it asks a rhetorical question. It says, how can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? You see, there's a huge amount of misconception in the church today about giving. And there's the sense somehow that if I give, I'm going to get. Or if I give, then somehow... God uh, does something supernatural or super special or something else for me. And I want to dispel all of that this morning. So I want you to sit relaxed with your ears open, not with your hackles up. Because I'm not going to try and screw you for more money today. But I want to, from a biblical perspective, just talk to you a little bit about biblical giving. What giving is intended for and why we should, etc., etc. Is it there in the first place? And why should we be involved in giving? Some of you are struggling there. Can you not give us a thing? So he asked the question, how can I repay the Lord? Or another translation says, what can I offer the Lord for all his goodness to me? Come boy, keep going. The answer is simple. I can't. Okay? So if you want to try and repay the Lord, you're not going to be able to repay Him. If you think you can buy God off, forget about it. You can't buy God off. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your leftovers. He doesn't need your cents. He doesn't need your millions. He doesn't need your money. So stop trying to buy Him off. But what I can give Him is myself, my worship, my love, my time, my obedience. That's what giving is all about when we talk biblical giving. John chapter 14 verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So I want to, I want to express my love to God. And if there's a way I can do that through biblical giving, then I want to do that. If it's there, if it's not there, then I want to love Him in other ways. But I want to say, what does the scripture say about giving? Biblical giving is therefore not repaying. It's not paying. It's not giving to get. It's not heaven, heavenly investing with good returns or a spiritual lottery or anything else along those lines. Now I can state categorically without any fear of contradiction 
that 8 out of 10 churches alive on this planet today will be, will be doing their best to fleece people of money for the benefit of one or two or a few individuals. And I say that with embarrassment. I'm telling you in this town today, there will be 8 out of 10 churches that will be trying to fleece people for more money. They will be conning people. They will be lying to them. They will be deceiving them using God's word to prove that they must do more and more and more and more. I'm telling you. And if you don't believe me, you can, you can just start doing a tour of churches and come back and tell me I'm speaking the truth. Because I know I am. You can go into any bookshop and pick up a number of hundreds of books trying to prove why you must give that author normally more money. Why that person needs a bigger jumbo jet or whatever it is, intercontinental jet, whatever it is that they're flying around the world in. It's sickening to the core and people are using the scriptures to do it. Now, up against that, the weight of that kind of uh, uh, error in the church, today I want to present to you just a simple, straightforward, what I believe the Bible says, and I want you to go and look at it for yourself. If you want to buy me a new jet, that's fine. If you want to buy me any jet, that's fine. <laughs> but, but I don't think that's what you're going to find in the Bible. Biblical giving has to do solely with the issue of obedience, with love, with commitment, yes, even sacrifice, but never with gain. If we look at any of the scriptures, and I'll use some of them this morning that are used, and we, we want to take them out of context, we can quickly start saying things like, and this is the favorite argument, Nobody sows not expecting a harvest. That's the favorite one. And that's true. If you're a farmer, you're not going to go and plant a many expecting nothing to grow. So it's, the logic is, it makes sense. But that's not the biblical giving that is spoken about, that we see in the scripture. The scripture for me is clear. Any giving I do is because of my heart response to what God has said. Not to get something more for myself. He can't give me anything more. That first hymn, I was thinking about it. He can't bless me more than he's blessed me. And if I'm after artsachut, earthly things, if I'm after a bigger car or a better home or a bigger salary or a fancier job then that's not that's not kind of biblical either i mean what does god tell us about longing after earthly things there's some very strong warnings against those things as believers we are here in a heavenly kingdom on heavenly minded things we're just sojourning, passing through this life. Now, if God has given you pots and pots of money, I mean, if you are here today and you, you're full of it, that's wonderful. Bless the Lord for it. 
But if you're here today and you've got none of it, it doesn't matter. Bless the Lord. There is nothing that compares to eternity. There is nothing that compares to a single drop of the blood of Jesus that we sang, sang about. Nothing, nothing can satisfy us like Jesus satisfies us. And if we start looking at things to make us happy, more money to make us happy, we're in trouble. We've lost the plot. We've lost the believer's plot. We've lost the godliness plot. Bible says godliness with contentment is of great gain. So if he's given you a big amount, or if he's given you a little amount, it actually doesn't matter. It's what he's given you. And he's given me salvation. What more can he give me? So we've missed the essence of the Bible completely if we use it to get wealthy. In Acts chapter 20, Paul's talking to the elders of the church and he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And then he says this, even from your own number, so from within the church, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Happening all the time. Who do you follow? I, I follow this person. I follow that person. Have you read so-and-so's teachings? You must get so-and-so's book. You've got to watch so-and-so on TV. You must do this. You must do that. must do the next thing. You know? What, what has happened? Where's Jesus? I'm sick to the gut of clever people using God's word to confuse me. You know? And just believe all sorts of nonsense. When his word doesn't teach. In order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Oh, if you send that much money to me, I'll make sure I lay hands on that request. And there's something special about my hands. You know, you will be healed. You will get a special anointing. You will get more money. If you send to my ministry, you're going to do better than that ministry over there. They're saying it all the time. And what burns my butt is that people believe them. Instead of just saying, read between the lines. You know? Find somebody else to con. It's not going to be me. Sorry, Anela. Bad, bad pastor. Remember that for three years, Paul says, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for money here. We're aiming for our inheritance, our godly inheritance. Paul says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give and to receive. Now that verse is used all the time 
it's more blessed to give. But while the person saying it is wanting to receive. And everybody's just being con. So they'll preach that verse with fervor. It's more blessed to give. If you want a blessing, you must give, 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 give. But the motive is, I want to receive, 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 receive. That is. Most for the most part. You know? The bottom line. God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There's nothing you own that doesn't belong to God. There's no money that you earn in a month that doesn't belong to God. Everything belongs to God, whether you like it or not. And as a believer, the sooner I get to understand that it's not God's money and my money or my money and God's money, the, the sooner my life's going to become less complicated. It all belongs to Him. So whatever job He's given me, whatever salary I'm earning, whatever investments I've got, whatever speculation I do, whatever I've got on the stock exchange, or any, whatever I've got, belongs to God. And He gives me a responsibility and a mandate to steward that money, or whatever it is. It includes all I own or earn. There's no mine and yours in this relationship between me and God. Strictly speaking, it's not even mine to give. But in a sense, He's given a blank check for me to write with some guidelines. Biblical guidelines for giving. So let's answer the question, is giving to God biblically? In the Bible we see three types of giving and we're going to touch on them and again it's just a very basic overview. There is the giving of the tithes and the tithes mean a tenth and it's in the Old Testament it's compulsory. The people had to bring a tenth of their goods. It was an agrarian society, agricultural society, so it had to do with crops and things like that. But at the end of the day, we can equate it to our own thing. Old Testament compulsory. Then there were offerings. They were voluntary offerings, but they were expected, you know. Uh, there were certain things they had to do at certain times, different kinds of offerings, and they were expected to comply. Again, Old Testament primarily. And then there was sacrificial giving, and we're going to look at one of those scriptures a little bit later. Does somebody, uh, just those times when we just, we, just, we just need to give. We just feel like we really need to give. Arguments for giving to God. Number one, it is written, for example, and there's a whole lot of examples, Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, it's holy to the Lord. Now, I've heard people argue against verses like this all the time. I don't have any fruit trees in my garden, and I don't grow any crops. So I don't have to give God anything. I mean, that's just thickness, you know. It comes out of that time, it comes out of that society, and they, they worked with, with grain and soil, etc., etc. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Withholding... People also use this as an argument. If you withhold your tithes, etc., you're stealing from God. Malachi says, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, How do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and I see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Uh, where does he go on? Okay, that's as far as it goes. 
Then we've got the issue of obedience, Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. And finally, an argument for is that it gives God first place in our life. So it prioritizes. Uh, Matthew 26, 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, uh, there your heart will also be. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So it gives God first place. Arguments against tithing or giving to God is that tithing is Old Testament law. It's not entirely true because tithing came before the law. In Genesis 14, uh, Abram meets Melchizedek and uh, Melchizedek and Abram gives him a tenth of everything he owns. So that sort of tithing uh, was instituted before any law was instituted. So that argument doesn't really hold. Matthew, uh, Jesus in Matthew's Gospel reaffirms the tithe. The scripture will come up a little bit later, but he says something like, uh, you, you know, woe to you Pharisees or whatever, you bring a tenth of all your cumin and, thai and, and spices and all the rest of it, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and something. And then he says, uh, you should have practiced the former without, without neglecting the latter. So Jesus, in effect, reaffirms the tithe in the New Testament giving. Arguments against giving it a tithe is that it's not, uh, it's only what we decided in our hearts to give. That's true from 2 Corinthians, but we've got to base our giving on the whole of Scripture. And New Testament grace is always a higher standard than Old Testament law or before. So, if anything, our New Testament giving is going to be more than Old Testament giving. So, let's not go down that argument. And then we have the favorite argument, I can't afford to tithe. I'm telling you today, you can't not afford to do what God has called you to do. It's simple. I want to say this to you. If you've got a choice between buying your family a loaf of bread or bringing that money to God, buy your family a loaf of bread. I'm telling you that now. Because that would be the godly thing to do. Anybody who doesn't take care of the needs of his family, the Bible says, is worse than an unbeliever and has denied the faith. Are you hearing me? Okay. There are times for sacrificial giving. We've got that lovely example of that poor widow who put her last two pennies in that she was going to eat on, that sacrificial giving. We've got those examples. And if God leads you to do that, then you do it. You don't hesitate. But for the most part, don't say, I can't afford to, and you're paying a thousand rand a month running your DSTV. Because I hear that argument often. Can't afford to tithe, but I can afford a thousand rand a month. Can't afford to tithe, but I eat out four times a week. I can't afford to tithe. How else am I going to pay for my brand new car I've just bought? You know? We, we, we mix it up. We get, we get confused. So, that argument just it doesn't cut it for me. Secondly, firstly, was is, is giving biblical? And yes, I believe it is. Secondly, we need to give to God first. Honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first fruits of all your crops. So we have these debates, and I hear them often. Do I do this before tax or after tax? 
Do I do this before I've paid for my house or after I've paid for my house? Do I do? Just, just keep it simple. The Bible says, honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first fruits of all your crops. Apply the scripture today, obviously, if you're not a farmer. In the Bible, there's lots of emphasis on the first. The first fruits, the firstborn, the first day, etc., etc. Uh, even Jesus rose when? On the first, first day of the week. So there's lots of emphasis on the first. And for me, it makes it easy. I don't have that debate. I don't have to decide, do I do this before that or that, or do that first or that, that. I don't have to go down that road. I just honor the Lord with the first fruits of whatever it is that He's given me. It's easy. See, God doesn't need my money again. He's not looking for my money. He's looking for my love. He's looking for my obedience. He's looking for my devotion. He's looking for my worship. He's looking for sacrifice, all those things. But He doesn't need my money and my belief, obviously. I think giving to God is an indicator of obedience and love because I start with Him. God, you are worth more than my leftovers. I don't remember when last I, we, had a, we had an offering plate going around in this church. And some of you have come in here and you've never known why. So I'm going to tell you. Because the Lord, I felt impressed in my heart one day that He didn't want leftovers. And that was it. That was gone. Because what happens? The plate comes around or bag. We had to make a bag. We had a, a pole in the middle because people used to take out more than they put in. Not a joke. Not a joke. Our ashes used to see come to me afterwards the service. Somebody put in 10 rand and took out 100 rand. I saw it with my own eyes. You know, the hands would go in and something else. This was a great place to come. <laughs> it's like the mother sitting next to her son and the offering plate's coming around. And the boy doesn't want to give up his money. And his mother, money, his mother says... Son, put that money in. No, no. He says, put it in. It's dirty. No, no. He says, put it in. She says, it's tainted. It's tainted. So he, she lets go of it quickly in the plate. And the plate goes off. And he says, Mom, why, what, why was the money tainted? Was it dirty? She says, no, son. Taint yours and it taint mine. Belongs to God. <laughs> but weak. So I just, I just felt that God doesn't, doesn't want our leftovers. If you want to give to God, you're going to push send on your internet banking or you're going to put it in a box, you're going to make an effort to put it in a box somewhere, you're going to take the effort to give that money to God. I'm not going to let you sit there on your bums and let the thing and try and get the leftover change out of your pockets. God doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't need them. He doesn't want them. He doesn't want your bits and pieces. He wants your first fruits. He wants your best. Now I know we have examples in the scripture of offerings being taken, but they were specifically for missionaries. Specifically stored up for missionaries at that time. So I'm not saying it's an unbiblical practice, but that's how, why we decided we don't do that. Now for some of you it's really lacquer. Imagine being able to go to KFC, get your food first, and then decide if you're going to pay or not. Imagine. Imagine going to the 
spur, wherever it is that you might sit, or checkers, getting a whole grocery load, a whole trolley of grocery, packing it all up and then saying thank you and walking out. But somehow in church we can do it. <laughs> Don't know why it happens like that. I'm not trying to make people feel guilty. I'm not trying to make... If you're feeling guilty, good. But that's not my intention. <laughs> it's not my intention. I'm, I'm, I'm making a point here. If we can't give God our first fruits, and we're just going to give Him our leftovers, or tip Him, or something else, then we're in trouble. It's like the pastor goes to his board and says to, says to his uh, eldership, please man, I, I need an increase. And the board, uh, board comes back and the eldership says, sorry, we, there's no money, you can't have an increase. He says, but you must help me. I'm just a poor preacher. And they said, exactly the point. We've been listening to you for years. <laughs> now, if that's the case, that you're not giving God your first fruits, then go somewhere else where it's value for money or... <laughs> No, do you hear what I'm saying? We, we thanks. We, we, it, this is about God. It's not about Paul. It's not about church. Somebody's got to play for the bulbs. Somebody's got to play for the carpets to be clean. Fortunately, we've got Sonny who gives us a really good rate. Somebody's got to pay for the painting and the maintenance. And where do you think it comes from? You know, it doesn't just fly out. Government doesn't give us anything. Uh, it just. Some people think it just. It comes from nowhere. It's like going to the shop and just taking it out. God is worth so much more. Talk about the right attitude quickly. God always evaluates our giving based on attitude. Woe to you teachers, I've spoken about this. You give tenth of your spices, but you've neglected the more important. Justice, mercy, ah, faithfulness, I forgot it. You have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. It's about attitude. So the, they, these Pharisees were very, very good at bringing their tithes. But they weren't very good on things like justice, mercy, and faithfulness, which God views as more important. Why? Because He doesn't need your money. But He needs your attention, needs your affection, needs your devotion, and He needs us to love justice, love mercy, to practice justice, and to walk humbly before Him, as Malachi tells us, Micah. So we give because we love. If I give all I possess to the poor, but I have not love, I gain nothing. If it's not with love, you gain nothing. If it's not because you love God, you gain nothing. Keep it. Go and don't try and buy ice creams because the ice cream machine never works at KFC. Go somewhere else. What is it about ice cream machine? Huh? When I really feel like a soft serve, I can go to KFC and McDonald's and both machines. Hey, she's broken. Do you think, do you think that, that's just the Lord that's been kind to my stomach or something? I don't know. Sorry, it's my fault. So if I haven't got love, I gain nothing. For God so loved that He gave. Each gift I give, I give as I give it unto Him. If I'm doing electronically before I push that pay button or that send button, I say, Lord, this is for you. Jesus, I love you. Lord, this is, yeah, I'm starting with you. you. You, the beginning of my life. It's about attitude. 
Jesus sat opposite the place where the offerings were putting, watch the crowd putting their money into the temple. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, and he was watching what people were putting in. He watches what we put in. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury with those pathetic two little coins than anybody else. It's not about the amount. It's about my attitude towards God. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live in. And I give cheerfully. My attitude's got to be cheerful. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So I don't do it under compulsion. I don't do it because I have to do it. I don't do it with a grumpiness. Oh Lord, I'm just going to give this to you and wait and see what happens. You know? Why do I have to give this to you? Just stick it. Keep it. You know? Don't give God that kind of issue. And then, when you get retrenched, you know, <laughs> when the locusts start eating, you know, when your crops start getting devoured, then, mm, you know, it's about attitude. Very lastly, the blessing of giving. Giving draws our hearts towards Christ. Where your treasure is, your heart will also be. If my treasure is going to heaven, uh, my heart's going to be there. If my heart's there, my treasure's going to go there. If my mind's set on heavenly things, it's not an issue because I know this is not about, this is not about rands and cents. This isn't about me. It's not about my life. This thing is about something much bigger than me. It develops godly character and helps us conform to Christ. So my focus becomes on Him and not on myself. Again, for God so loved. Because God loved, He gave. That's what I want to get to that position. I want to love God so much that giving becomes easier and easier and easier. And it's about my relationship with God. It allows us to invest for eternity. And we've been through the scripture, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the one that everybody focuses on all the time. And I've deliberately put it last. Because this is the motivation that you will hear and you will read and you will watch. Is that giving produces a material increase. And I've said giving can produce a material increase. And, and let's face it, it does. But that's not to be my motivation. This is not a lottery. This is not an investment with good returns. My motivation is never to get, unless, of course, I want to do something in the kingdom, you know. And then I'm investing just to say, Lord, come on now. This is, and I've done it. I've done it, yeah. I've done it, yeah. Lord, I need to do that. And I've done it, you know. <laughs> so it can produce a material increase. Consider carefully what you hear. Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. So whatever measure I'm using, whether I'm using an Old Testament measure, measure, which is valid in the New Testament, 
or whether I'm using a different measure, and there's a whole lot of different things here. Some of you I know are into things like Teruma and all the rest. That's fine, you know. I'm not clever enough for all of those things. Uh, I'm not, I'm not conf- I don't want to confuse you, and I don't want to uh, upset you or anything else. I'm just saying, Jesus says, whatever measure you're using, it will be used against you. And even more. I mean, that's just like, wow. So if my New Testament measure becomes bigger than my Old Testament measure, and even more, you know, it, it, it becomes significant. And then he says, whoever has will be given more. I mean, why do the rich get richer? Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. There's no sin in being rich. And if those of you, if there are those of you in this place this morning, and, well, in fact, everybody who's here with clothes on, we're rich according to somebody. We are. We're rich. Did you eat this morning? You're rich. Are you going to have a food? Are you going to have a meal today? You're rich, you know. Some of you are so rich you drove here that you didn't even have to walk. I I mean, it is like that, isn't it? So to conclude, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. There's the emphasis. Not the size of your bank account. Not the size of your bank account. But the every good work. I don't know why this isn't spoken about more. Hmm? As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And Father, he knows how poor I am. And how much I need is righteousness. I'm poor in spirit. I'm poor in commitment. I'm poor in, uh, in devotion. I'm poor in love. I'm poor in everything. And he just keeps scattering his gifts out on me. This poor thing. His righteousness endures. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your I've sat in churches where I've listened to, to sermons and normally the offering these places. The offering sermon is longer than the actual sermon because they're trying to fleece so much money out of you. They do a sermon just on the offering and they focus on this here, seed to the sower, you know, sow your seed and bread for food. But they forget the supply and increase your store of seed when enlarge the what? Harvest of Money. Righteousness. This is not a bank with good interest. It's about righteousness. It's about God. You will be made rich in every way. Amen. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Why does your seed that you sow produce a harvest of righteousness? What is that for? So you can be generous. Not so you can buy a new plane or anything else. It's not about me. It's about God 
and how he's able to use what he's given me to help others. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. The service you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, also overflowing in many expressions of thanks. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Jesus. Not money. Jesus. Not money. Jesus. His indescribable gift. So, biblical giving. Is it giving to God biblical? Yes, it is. I think we've said that. We must remember we give to God first. We give with the right attitude. The blessings of giving include it draws me closer to Him, develops godly character, allows us to put treasures in heaven, and it can produce a material harvest. So, I conclude with Psalm 116 verse 12, which says, how can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? And the answer is I can't. Not with money. But I can with my love, with my devotion, in my faith, etc., etc. Let us pray.